So excited to have the next guest. I met him on Celebrity Apprentice. We were judges. He was the CEO of a company. We became great friends and have still remained friends. And he went and sold his company for a little over $2 billion. He's a former chairman, founder, and CEO of LifeLock. Now, he knows how to make people take notice because he was the guy that went out and gave everybody his social security number and said, hey, here it is. Go for it. I feel so great about the product. So what makes a guy feel so good about his product that he's willing to risk his own financial freedom? So he did a great job under his leadership. They received more accolades than ever. And of course, they went on to become a very successful company and sell for billions of dollars after already had gone public. So welcome, if you would, my good friend, Todd Davis. From Main Street to Wall Street, global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Hey, so you sold the company for a couple of billion dollars. This is like hitting the Super Bowl, so to speak. Um, I know just surviving is like hitting the Super Bowl. But beyond that, they go to the athletes at the Super Bowl and they win the Super Bowl. They say, hey, what are you doing? Usually you go to Disney. What did you do the day after you sold the company? Uh, Well, I really took the whole day off. But if you're asking what was my prize, I really went way out there, Jeffrey. I went out and bought a Ford F-150 truck just to have a second car to have some fun. Good for you. I have a Ford F-150, but mine's like uh, 14 years old. <laughs> well, yeah, you're, <laughs> I'm a Texas boy. So, you know, I live in Arizona, but can't take the Texas out of me. So yeah. that was my little present to myself. Did you get four-wheel drive everything? Yeah, and the good platinum edition. I mean, good for you. you. Know, we did sell for a good price. I got the platinum. That's that's absolutely fabulous. I'm so I'm happy for you, man. That's good. And what color did you get? I'm just kind of curious. White with the black White. interior. Yep. Oh, see now mine's black with uh, with a tan interior, but you know, I just I'm just trying to be a badass. That's all. Yeah, I thought you'd have the racing red interior with that no, black. No, <laughs> no, I like no. I get too much dirt. I just don't want it to show dirt. There you go. Yeah. So, did, have you taken some time off? I mean, after you after you step away, because you've you've kind of stepped away from things, right? The day to day, obviously, right? Are you out right. entirely? I'm out entirely now. The company I had begun to step away. I promoted my brilliant president, uh, Hillary Schneider, to CEO. I made up the title executive vice chairman, which meant I really got to only do the fun stuff. So I'd really been doing that for about a year. And then, you know, of course, when the process started about uh, having the company be acquired, then I was engaged at a board level and Mm -hmm. that was pretty active. But I really stepped away. So once we completed the transaction in February, I was done. That was it. Uh, the hardest part was just saying goodbye to my you know, hundreds and hundreds of employees that I just love, that were just yeah. like family. And I, I think it was like sending my kids off to college. You know, I love you. I can't wait to see what you grow up into, but dad can't be there anymore. So I'm, yeah. I wish you the best, and I'm here if you need me. Any regrets? Zero. Yeah. I mean, that's ultimately, ultimately, that's always been in your sight, right? I mean, I've, yeah. you and I have been friends for a long, long time. Yes, sir. And, you know, it, and that's always been in the sights, right? Well, especially because, as you know, Jeffrey, we took venture capital money. Mm-hmm. And so when you take venture capital money, private equity money, uh, you know 
there is going to need to be an exit event. Now, whether it's yeah. going public, which we did, or mm-hmm. and or uh, selling, being acquired, mm-hmm. uh, there is no question you're going to have an exit event. We happen to do both for our groups and with great outcomes uh, both times. But no regrets. I love the fact that I get more time with the family. You know, I've got a fantastic family who used to get me when I could make time to be a dad or husband, when mm-hmm. I could squeeze it in. And so now that's just become my priority. That's my yeah. job. Well, you're a young guy and still got a young family, so there's 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 time for that. And quite frankly, now there's a little bit more money for that. <laughs> yeah, we can yeah. have a little more fun. Although yeah. it's just, let me just be clear, I just changed my job. I used to work for a board of directors. Now I work for a two-year-old named Emma. She's my new boss. <laughs> exactly. So, and exactly. I love it. Well, we all have the same boss. It's our wives or our spouses, no matter what you do. That's just the nature of the game, right? I mean, that never Amen. changes. Yeah, never Mine's changes. Mine's just really smart. She makes me think I still have some level of free will. Yeah. And I think I'm really, you know, being decisive and I'm involved. And I find out she's gotten exactly uh, everything the way she wants it. So Exactly. Well, that's what yeah. they should do. Right. Right? Right. The, old, the old, if you remember this guy, he was an old comedian years and years ago, Jerry Clower, Mouth of the South. <laughs> and being from Texas, you might remember him. Oh, I used yeah, to love him, sure. you know, the Grand Ole Opry, but he was a great storyteller. And if he's a, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. So Amen. he was one so, of the best storytellers of all He time. was, wasn't he? Truly. Oh. If, and by the way, those listening in right now, if you have never heard Jerry Clower, go go listen to him. The stories that he would tell, I, I, I just love listening to great storytellers. And he's, I, I learned from him. I used to, I used to meet him personally and I learned from him. I used to buy his records. I mean, records back then. <laughs> Well, you know, and I've always said, uh, truly, some great leaders great, are great storytellers. I mean, that's yeah. what we're, we're – when you talk about describing a vision or, you know, even in talking about your strategy, you want to be a great storyteller, right? Because yep. that's how you get people engaged. Oh, I, well, I, I can feel what you talking about. Yeah. Yeah. More right. value. So that's I did always you, love a good story. Well, speaking of stories, because I, I was going to get into some of the big stuff that you did, and you did some really groundbreaking stuff. Of course, you know, I first met you at Celebrity Apprentice, and then um, became friends, and then got to know a lot of the people that you hired over the years, and, and worked with you a little bit from time to time. The um, did you have the story down right from the beginning? Yeah, we were pretty close. I will mm-hmm. say we had the story of the mission. Like, we're going to go define an industry. We're going to create it. It didn't exist, this concept of identity theft protection, this concept of putting the consumer at the center of everything. Yeah, I, can't, I mean, when you, when you say together. that, when you say that, Todd, I can't even, not even in today's world with all the stuff that's hacking and everything that's going on, I can't even think that we didn't even have that at some point. Yeah, in fact, ironically, I mean, think about this uh, as an entrepreneur, Jeffrey, and as a as a leader. I look out at this opportunity to, and and rarely do you even get the chance to define an industry. But mm-hmm. I look out and I say, let me make sure I got this straight. This is the number one consumer complaint in America back in two thousand and five, and the the only people doing anything, even remotely close to offering a service to protect people were the credit bureaus who then were also selling people's <laughs> data to make money. I thought, you're kidding me, my competitors, all I have to do is explain, you know how they make all their money, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so huge opportunity. So we had that part of the story. Now, as you know, from a marketing, we hadn't captured 
you know, from the very beginning, the marketing campaign, that wasn't till we did the crazy social security number, you know, giving it out on the billboard trucks, on the television ads, and all that kind of stuff. Which was crazy. Insane. And yeah. I, I think to this day, half people still think I was crazy instead of brilliant, but it I think you're off. both. I, I'll give you credit for both. All right. But it was <laughs> really brilliant. It. it was truly yeah. brilliant. All right. Let me take a break. I want to, I got to speak, because I got to be brilliant and be brilliant. I got to make money. So, you know, nothing exhausts a person quite like traveling does. And when I'm jetting across the country for business or pleasure, I always pick up a Dunkin' Espresso. I love espresso, okay? I mean, like I like six, eight a day. I mean, I got to have them. I love them. So whether you're traveling or staying home, I want you to keep fueled with uh, one of Dunkin's 15,000 options, okay? You, you can't you can't steal what they got because it's the real stuff. So America runs on Dunkin' and all business with Jeffrey Hazel runs on Dunkin'. Todd, do you drink coffee? Yeah, I love coffee. Yeah, me too. How do you take and your I coffee? And I love Duncan. Yeah, love, okay, uh, well, thank, thank you. I love them. And, yeah. of course, we uh, when it's for the wife, keep, yeah. again, mama happy, it's yeah. uh, skinny vanilla lattes. Oh, but geez. otherwise, I just want I don't want even know it. what the hell that is. <laughs> I, well, I, I seriously don't know. So I asked for some coffee the other day in some place. I said, I want this with this, and they started to give me a name. I said, dude, I don't know what you're talking about. Just bring me some cream. <laughs> In my freaking coffee, okay? That's what yeah. I like. Otherwise, just good yeah. drip coffee if yeah. it's for me, yeah. Yeah. I'm getting to the point where I just really like things just just without everything. Just keep yep. it simple. Yeah. Getting old, I guess. All right. Let's, <laughs> let's speaking, about, speaking about crazy brilliance, okay? You're, you're, you, you went out in the middle of uh, some deal and, and held up your credit card, gave your credit card number. How did that go? You, not credit card, your social security number. You, you gave your social security card number out in the public. How did that come about? Because that was like overnight, huge, huge, huge. What, what, what did you do? Well, so the, the story really goes back. I was doing uh, public relations, and I used to do all of our PR because we couldn't afford good-looking uh, articulate people. So mm-hmm. we had no money, so it had to be me. <laughs> and I'm going to be on CNBC. And I'm really thinking, Jeffrey, just how do we get people to get to the website? How yeah. do I, you know, you are a brilliant uh, CMO. How do you oh, stand out in the crowd? Yeah. You yeah. know, that was always a challenge. How do you Y'all shock are... them? How do you shock That's them? Right. How do you do something to make them pick up the phone and act? It, exactly. Because you've done something that, that people go, oh, if he can do that, I got to call in. Right. And so the original marketing and the uh, product idea was we had the first ever million dollar guarantee right. and no one was even close. Amex had like $5,000 of coverage. Mm-hmm. So that's how I could get on television. I'd get on these morning news shows and CNBC and others. And they tell us about this business identity protection. You're going to back it up with a million dollars. And it hits me as I'm about to do a satellite media interview. I know I want to do what everybody says do not do. Don't give out your social security number. So I was at least uh, smart enough to call smarter people than me and ask, hey, I'm, I'm, and I'm not joking when I tell you, I was seven minutes to being on air. So the you're sitting in, the, a, in a little remote yeah. um, satellite room, which, they, which yep. is nothing but a closet like I'm sitting in right now, <laughs> yep. right? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, staring at a camera with yep. an earpiece in your ear with some technician nearby who runs the thing, doesn't even care who you are, right? <laughs> right. right. Yep, just pushing and, buttons. And then yep. you're on, you, you pick up uh, probably a Blackberry back then. I don't know. It but was, you, exactly. It was, right, so you pick up your Blackberry and you call your, who do you call? You call your attorney Legal. and say, hey, yep. I got this idea. Yeah, I want to do this. Tell me 
you know, is can I do it? Am I allowed to do it? Yeah. And they it, they hemmed hard for a second and said, you know what? Y- yes, but here's the deal. And I'll challenge everybody. Everyone remembers that I actually dared people to steal my identity, which mm-hmm. I actually never did because right. they said you're not allowed to dare anyone or challenge them to steal it because otherwise you could be deemed soliciting a felony and you could be arrested. I'm like, okay, that's good advice. Got it. Yeah, that's, I hear you. That, that's one I want to pay attention to. <laughs> Solid. You you earned your legal fee this this month. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. And then, you know, they told me back then, hey, there are things we can't see today, payday loans and some wireless stuff. And so you're going to get, you know, slaughtered on your credit report because there's going to be all these applications, but there's nothing we can't clean up. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, got it. And I hung up. I got on the air. I started uh, the interview doing our thing. And I tried to give it. So I told them at one point when they said, oh, you're that confident. I said, well, I'm so confident. I'll give you my real number on the air right now. And they shut me down. No, no, no. Yeah, don't do it. Don't do it, sir. Don't do it. Yeah. But Jeffrey, as you can imagine, that's when we knew we had it. I came off the air. There was only like a dozen of us in the whole company. Um, So we always, when I would do media, Everybody would get on computers and man the phones and, you know, you could put cell phones on the call tree and everybody would be available. Yeah, all hands on deck. All hands on deck. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. we got overwhelmed. We were just, it was insane. The next 72 hours and we had investors, people calling, can I, can I invest in this company? Tell me what you're doing. Signing up. It was, that was it. And we didn't slow down for the next you know, 11 years. And we made TV ads uh, where I actually gave it out and drove around billboard trucks and held it up. And yeah, see, that's how I thought you released it. I didn't know you had done it on CNBC first. Yeah. Which or I think. Tried is, to. Yeah, yeah. Or tried to. They wouldn't let you actually do it. They would not. They shut Okay. Me down. So you didn't really do it until you went and cut a commercial and that's how you did it. Correct. Uh, I remember, and, and see, course, I remember those commercials. I always thought, and I, and I, quite frankly, yeah, I know now because I know the history of this. I actually thought you shot this and did this in Times Square, but you actually shot it somewhere else. Yeah, in Chicago. We yeah. wanted it to look very Times Square, but again, back then I was betting it was all of our money, <laughs> yeah. right? So you were, anywhere you could do it for a little bit cheaper, uh, that's what I was looking to go do. So Yeah, because Times Square would have been very expensive. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You put sticks so, down. They call it putting sticks down. When you oh, put yeah. sticks down in Times Square, that means the camera sticks. It's a very expensive thing. Every second is very yeah. expensive of it, right? Yeah. So that was, as you know, that was the beginning. It was just took off. Now, you know, a bunch of regulators didn't like me for doing it, but sure. consumers and the business world, I mean, we blew away our competition. From of course, and on, you got no you got hacked. I mean, that you're going to get oh, yeah. hacked. I mean, yeah. uh, you, you knew that, and but of course, that leads to more press. Yeah, and I did. In fact, uh, I remember the day that it, it was out, and we had talked about it. We had never tried to hide anything, but someone was like, "But we show that you've been like 13 different accounts or whatever, payday mm-hmm. loans, this kind of stuff again." And I said, "Yeah, I mean, we know it happens, but I'm covered by our guarantee." Well, it kind of took off on a life of its own. And so for the next 24 hours, uh, in fact, I was, I think, third in Google searches behind Britney Spears and somebody else. And I thought, man, I've really made it now if I'm uh, Google search behind Britney Spears. And I was on the Today Show with Matt Lauer uh, coming in to say, sure, I'll talk about it. 
You know, they're like, but you went out and gave out your social security number and now look, you've been a victim. I'm like, right. <laughs> yeah. Of course. And by the way, all your numbers are out there. Yeah. So and by the, the way, what are, what are the chances? What are the chances that we'll all be victims? Oh, it's, I mean, I'll be careful in the way I said, but it's basically inevitable. Yeah. I mean, think about how many people we've, we've now clearly almost everyone on in the US has gotten a notice from some company that've been a part of a data breach. Yeah. So someone who has your data, a former employer or someone you did business with can't account for it, it's missing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, then it's just a matter of time. They monetize yeah. that by selling it and doing all those kind of things. The key is just make it hard. If you add friction to the process for the criminal, they're going to move on to easier prey. Right. Right. So it's not we don't we're not about hide your head in the sand or don't yeah, use it's technology. Not like it's, you know what? It's not like it's like just like your home or your car. Lock your yeah. doors. Lock yeah. your doors. Yeah. You know, and have and have the backup coverage. If something happens, make sure there's somebody yeah. that's an expert that can fix it for you. Yeah. And if that doesn't right. if, the, if the lock doors doesn't work, then I got a three fifty seven Magnum. It's OK. I got something. <laughs> so backup. Right. Yeah, and on top of that, I got a I got a forty four Magnum, and on top of that, I got a I got a couple other ones too. So they could be in that Ford F one fifty of yours then. Exactly. Well, if you pull up over in the back seat, <laughs> you might find something there too. There you go. So the other day, I was in I was there I was back home in South Dakota, and I got thirty thirty shells rolling all over the floor. I go, where the hell are all these coming from anyway? So anyway, so did, let me. So to me, that was a calculated risk. You knew yep. you knew you had to take a risk because if without no pain no gain, yep. but it was a, a really calculated risk because you you had the frame of mind to call your attorney right. Yep. Yeah, smart move. Well, and then keep in mind there was a strategy uh, that we'd already had that was talking about we have to go build a brand. How mm-hmm. are we going to go out to consumers? Talk about the scary thing of identity theft that people don't even fully understand what it is, how it happens, why it happens. And we're going to go say, hey, if you're worried about it, you can hire us. But when you hire us, we're going to need your name, birthday, credit card, and social security number so that we can protect you. Well, no one's going to turn over those keys to the kingdom if they don't trust the brand uh, the company that is offering that service. So it was always a part of doing the PR campaigns, being on the morning news. I didn't care where, when. I'd be on coffee with Joe at four in the morning in you know, Poughkeepsie, wherever. Mm-hmm. You want me there, I'm going to be there because it looked credible. Here's the CEO of this company I've never heard of, but they must be big. Here he is on my news channel that mm-hmm. I listen and get all my information from. So he's credible. So, you know, that was always part of the strategy, build the brand. The reason I took venture capital money, build the brand. We know it's going to cost money and you built some of the biggest in the world, yeah. but, you know, truly to build a brand, I don't remember, was it P&G, Jeffrey, or Harvard, one of the groups that did one of the studies says, you know, it can take a billion dollars. Yeah. To really yeah, build a to build, brand. To build the right kind of brand, and of course, yeah. and then to, to make it pay off. You know, yeah. the other thing I thought that you did, um, and I, I did this at Kodak too. I was, in fact, I think I was the first mainstream company that, that well, we were, we don't say not I, we, we were the first mainstream company that actually moved into infomercials. 
And uh, because up to up until that time, um, you know, it was like coal and blow and things like that um, yeah. that they we would sell, um, you know, late night. And then you you did I did that with where we did that kind. I just couldn't say an I. We did that with the inkjet printer, yep. and sold hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. Of course, we also sold them. Uh, cameras and everything else because we find out when they bought the inkjet printer they'd buy other products from us just by asking so you moved and did that with infomercials how how was that for you as well fantastic because of course two things for us that that made it work extremely well one there weren't a lot of competitors so we could really have a share of voice uh, as you know we talk about in the marketing world I could really have a, a big share of voice by having an infomercial. And because there was a bit of still education or evangelical sales that went with it, I had to educate you that this wasn't just your credit card being number being used, where you can cancel the card and get a new card. I had to educate you that they can get to your checking savings require, uh, retirement accounts, and people don't just put that money back. Uh, so the idea that we needed a longer format to be able to tell the story and then at the same time really position us about what we were so proud of, which was our world-class service. Mm-hmm. That we're there for you 24-7, U.S.-based. We're the experts. We've got your back. And so the combo of that evangelical educational sale and an infomercial, and then we were able to use some pretty high-profile Folks in it, you know, Montel Williams was always a cornerstone. And then we even got Mayor Giuliani. Yeah, I remember that, too. That, that was a good move. Yeah, I thought yeah, that and, was a good move. Yeah, America's mayor, you know, knows security, knew us well, and was willing to even uh, be a part of some. So, again, looked more credible than some of the early day infomercials that you talked about, you know, what, what they used yeah. to be. Right. Versus what, really what they've become. How did you choose Montel? I'm kind of curious how you picked him. Well, ironically, it was another kind of lucky, um, I had been asked to be on the show as a, quote, expert. Uh, they wanted to do a show on identity theft. Mm-hmm. And so I came in and was on the show. And while I was taping the show with them live, you know, as they do it, live to tape, as they say, um, there was a guy, poor guy who, you know, they're telling his horror story. And yeah. so I just impromptu said, hey, look, if you had had LifeLock, we would have fixed all this for you. So I tell you what, we're going to fix it all for you at our expense. We're going to just make it better for you, which, by the way, costs us a pretty good hefty tens of thousands. I don't know if it was over 100 grand, but, you know, to go clean everything up for this guy. But Montel just went nuts about it. It went great for us. So he's like, OK, we got to do business together. We're like, hey, perfect. You're kind of he had done a couple of infomercials anyways about his living well campaign. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Did you test him at all? Uh, yeah, well, we tested him and it went great. I mean, we knew it right out of the gate. The chemistry yeah. was right. So you seem to have taken some calculated risks from time to time. Did, are, are there some that, that didn't play out where you did it and you just fell flat on your face? Oh, 100%. In yeah. fact, uh, probably too many to get into this one podcast that we're doing together. But, <laughs> you know, the few, the several that, you know, jumped to mind, we did an acquisition that was just a total fail. Is that um, that lemon wallet? Yep. So yeah. we saw the vision of everything's going to get rolled into mobile. Yeah, no offense, but the name lemon wallet doesn't sound good. Yeah, certainly in hindsight, there's some irony to the fact that we bought the lemon wallet and it was a lemon. Um, 
<laughs> so, but uh, certainly had fails that way. We tested certain media and other campaigns that were, you know, that did terrible. I mean, the cost mm-hmm. of acquisition would have been insane to go to. So certainly there were some that didn't go well, mm-hmm. but my attitude uh, for the business was always, hey, look, we got to be pushing the envelope. Uh, if, if we're not failing, we're not trying hard enough. Now, they need to be smart. They need to be educated risk that we're taking, calculated risk. And then we'll make a mistake, learn quickly from it, move on. But I didn't beat people up too hard for making mistakes. The key was you had to be able to explain that you were doing what you should, which was toward our values of our company against the strategy that we were implementing against our core values. And if you made a mistake and could explain why you thought you were doing what you should, we had your back. Now, if you made a mistake because you're trying to get away with something, do what you can, uh, you'd be terminated. But Mm. Uh, I didn't mind people making mistakes when they thought they were doing it for the right reasons. Well, I want to—I don't want to make a mistake. I need to take a break for a second here because I'm so excited. I almost forgot I got to do another commercial, and I want to do a commercial because I love these folks and it's Liberty Tax. So if you're listening to this show, you probably have an entrepreneurial spirit, and that's why I want to talk to you about the franchising opportunities at Liberty Tax Service. Now, they have a proven system, ongoing training, market support, national brand awareness, which we have been talking about right here is important. You spend a lot of money to build the brand, and they have some great financing opportunities. Liberty Tax can put you on a path to success. You know, plus you'll be able to do your own taxes. That's a pretty good deal. So learn more, learn more about it at libertytaxfranchise.com. Love those guys. And uh, if you get a chance to go visit them, say hello to Martha. She's the chief marketing officer. They're John, the CEO. Know them all. Love them. So uh, let me ask you a question. You you mentioned something um, about cost of acquisition. Well, well that to, to me, that's a, an API, something you measure. Uh, yeah. That you're probably looking about a lot, and then maybe share a voice or something like that. What were the things that you liked to to to, to determine success for you? What were the things you were looking at? Yeah, so we called them our KPIs, key performance indicators. Uh, one of the top was net promoter score. Mm-hmm. So for people on the consumer side of the world, this is a fairly straightforward concept of would the c- customer doing business with you be an advocate to tell others to do business with you because they had such a great experience. And I won't get into the nuances of scoring and how you yeah. figure it, but. But it's uh, a pretty it, wide, widely established measurement, right? Absolutely. And, yeah. and well, well documented how to go do it. That yeah. was critical for us because that really told us at our core, are we delivering the product people are looking for? Are we delivering service after the sale? Are we, are we, uh, being everything we can be. And the fact that we could be in the top, you know, 10% of uh, U.S.-based companies, you know, up there in the range with the apples of the world and others, I knew we were killing it. Uh, second was employee engagement. So that mm-hmm. was, again, another indication for within our company, the health of our organization. And it told you how much your employees were willing to tell you where you were doing it right, and where you were doing it wrong, and mm-hmm. communicate and share that. And that engagement alone, now, by the way, they may really be mad at you at times, but as long as they're engaged and care enough to tell you when they think you're screwing up, that's a, a huge indicator of health. So those two gave me the best uh, high level, that's the health of this company. Then you got into the measures, things like, you know, what is the, um, 
average revenue per user? Is it growing? Is it shrinking? You know, what's the breakup? How many people are taking our premium services versus others? How many net new members? What is that cost of acquisition? Therefore, giving you a lifetime value. Uh, retention, of course, was a huge deal. So you'd get into the metrics, but I can tell you if the top two were good, the the rest of the measures would usually work out and you were just fine-tuning, tweaking things to make them improve. Yeah, did you, do you guys sit around at, at times and just, hey, every time something came around that was some breach or something like that and give some high fives? I mean, it's, <laughs> it's hard to it's hard to, to celebrate bad news like that, but at the same time, it's pretty good for your business, right? Well, that was the irony of it, right? Uh, we knew, hey, every year at some point, uh, we're going to get another data breach. Now, it almost got to where people started getting a little breach fatigue. Yeah. Where, geez, you know, how many times am I going to hear about it? But it was really interesting, uh, Jeffrey. We would see the type of data breach would have a huge impact on the surge we would get or not. Can you right? can you so, tell me what, what those are? Which ones are oh, the sure. – yeah. uh, I mean, things like uh, – I hate to bring it up for all of our friends out at Blue Cross Blue Shield and, and you know, these kind mm. of people. But, you know, when the insurance guys – so everybody knew, geez, they have everything. The yeah. keys to the kingdom. Whereas the PayPal breach, which was huge, or J.P. Morgan Chase did a phenomenal job of not having press about their huge yeah. data breach. Uh, but those didn't – it didn't register with people when it was the credit card or something like that or, or eBay. Something they see more every day. Yeah, even though it was – look, once I had your login to your email account at Yahoo, I can go search those – your email <laughs> – and see who else you do business with. Yeah. I can go find all kinds of critical information. So, uh, but it was it was certainly interesting, and we could tell, we could plan accordingly, and we kind of had you know the crisis plan. When this type hits, here's where we got to ramp up. You know, the call centers and everything else. Be ready to handle the influx. You know, I was with you a few weeks ago, and we were talking, and one of the things that struck me that I guess I never really appreciated in knowing you and what you've been doing to build the business was how much money you had to raise. Yeah. It, 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 was, it was like I sat next to you and as I was listening to a conversation, $100 million here, you know, so many million here and so many million here. But you spoke of it as though it were easy to do. And I know that's not the case. What was that like having to do that? You know, uh, it maybe gets back to a bit of the storytelling and the opportunity, but you know, in the, in the earliest days when you're first talking to the venture capital folks, and we were so blessed to get some great ones, you know, Bessemer Venture Partners uh, and my buddy David Cowan over there were right from the get-go. In fact, I really, uh, Jeffrey, wasn't even going to take his money. I just wanted him to critique my business plan. And I thought, this is free consulting. This guy's brilliant. He'll tell me what he doesn't like. We'll agree I don't take his money, and I'll move on and try to improve my business. And right out of the gate, he's like, I want in. I'm ready. Well, in fact, this as I great. recall, you didn't even go see him. You took a phone call. You said, hey, I'll, no, I'll do it by phone, which well, yeah, is like the like like yeah. if you don't go and pray to this to the gods on, on yeah. Sand Hill Road, man, yeah. you know, you, I, you, it's a major faux, faux pas. I mean, you're talking uh, about arrogance, right? Uh, or Seriously. blissful ignorance, right? Yeah, that's I, what, exa- so I think he gave me a pass. Isn't that interesting ignorance. how stupid we are sometimes? Oh, you know? I had no idea. Yeah, exactly. I had no idea. So yeah. – 
to have that kind of group. And so we ended up through uh, five rounds raising, you know, a hundred ish, just over that was purely toward growing the business, um, you know, getting a bigger footprint, building that brand. So over time we did spend a billion dollars uh, in marketing and everything else to, to build a brand over that 12 years. So um, then at the very six months before we went public, uh, so back in 2011, I raised another hundred million, but that was solely for an acquisition. So that's a little different, right? Because the first one you're telling the story about, you got to believe in our business and we can execute. Doing the acquisition, you say, you've seen we're able to execute. Let me show you what happens when I add this. And in our case, it was this unique data set. So the logic made sense to people. It was a big raise, um, but the logic made sense. It was the toughest part. We were just on a time frame because somebody else wanted to buy them as well. So, you know, you got to be the first guy to be able to say, I'm ready. I'm the guy. Take my offer. Let's close the deal. So that that was a brutal three and a half, four months to get it done. But the storytelling was a lot easier on that one because it, it made great sense. You had a track record. So exactly. That, that really helps a lot. Well, listen, a my lot. friend, I, I, I could I could talk to you forever, as you know, because we've spent many, many hours just sitting around talking about business and about life. And I appreciate it. And I appreciate your friendship. And I appreciate more that you've shared the information you have. And we're going to have to, Todd, we'll have to have you back. After after you you get the after you go break in the pickup truck, we'll have to have you back. <laughs> Sounds right. great, my friend. Great always talking to you, my friend Jeffrey. Uh, all right, thanks, Todd. Cheers. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by Dunkin' Donuts. Hey, at the end of every single show, I like to talk about the things I learned, and I always learn a lot when I get together with Todd, as you can see, just a great guy overall. I tell you, one of the things I learned today was about taking calculated risk and how that's important for you to do that. And I say the word calculated, meaning he thought the chess moves through before he went and did the thing he did, and he had to take a couple of those. The other thing is tell a believable story. You gotta have not just a story, but a believable one, one that people will buy into because I think that's real, real important for you to be able to know. And the, and the last but not least was the last part of the conversation. He went and pitched the guys in Sand Hill. That's the big uh, VC group. That's where all the VCs are located out in the West Coast. And he went out and he didn't even go there. He said, hey, no, I'll take your phone call, and which is not done. And so sometimes you can overcome the ignorance. Your own ignorance gets gets in your way, but you can overcome it if you got a great product, great service. That's what I learned. Hey, and let's help overcome ignorance. Tell somebody about the show because you've been listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazel right here on C-Suite Radio. So tell your friends and have them come listen and join us. And you can find us on iTunes and everywhere else. I really appreciate it. Thank you for being my friend and uh, I'll love you forever. You're, you're my life lock. Cheers. Welcome to C-Suite Radio, a podcast network featuring today's top business experts and is part of the C-Suite Network, the world's most trusted network of C-Suite executives. Find this and other business podcasts on c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.